Hi there, and welcome to Even If, a weekly podcast about standing firm when life is shaking. I'm your host, Kelly Strife. Strife rhymes with wife. And together, we're finding the courage to approach uncertain and unwanted seasons of life through a posture of faith that stands firm and declares, even if he doesn't, he is still good. We are back with season two of the Even If podcast. Last week was the very first episode of this season, and we're talking all about suffering, which I know just makes everybody want to cheer, but since we're going to face it, we're looking at how we can prepare for it, how we should approach it, how we can endure it. And I'm going to be honest, I'm a little bit surprised by what I've been finding. True story, I had this week's episode all written and recorded and ready to go, and guys, It was a good one. I stretched myself out of my comfort zone. If you know me, you know what a stretch this was, but I crafted this brilliant football analogy. And I don't really actually know a ton about football, but I'm telling you this one was good because we know trials are gonna come. So how do we get ready for them before they do? That was the question. And what do football players do? How do they prepare for the hits they know they're gonna take, the blows they know are coming? Well, first, in my analogy, they pad up. They cover themselves with protective gear. They know which parts of the body are most vulnerable, and they shield those. They guard the most important areas, their head, their chest, their lungs, their hearts. And then they train hard. They plan and run drills, and they go onto the field with a strategy and a game plan, and then they adapt when they need to. And they prepare both offensively and defensively because they know the importance of both. And then you watch them lined up on the field right before the start of the play. And this is the very moment when they know the hits could come. They know what's about to happen. So they position their feet so they can keep their balance and move quickly toward their opponent. They lower their center of gravity so they can't be knocked over or tackled to the ground. They keep their head up, ready to explode toward the opposition, hoping to take him out before they're taken out by him. You can hear it, right? All the applications of this analogy in our lives as we prepare to face trials and suffering. It's so good. But after I fleshed it out, after I recorded it and got ready to publish it, I had this moment of clarity where I realized football players have a limited window of success in the game. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose, but either way, there's a limited time frame in which they can compete. And I followed that trail a little bit further and I realized that the amount of energy and adrenaline it takes to prepare for blow after blow after blow, well, that's reserved for two hours every Saturday. It's not something we can sustain throughout our lives. And the trauma that's inflicted from this level of engagement, well, it often leads to lasting damage to these players. And so the more I thought through this analogy, the more I thought about it, the more I realized how wrong it is. It's why I'm so exhausted all the time. It's why I'm on edge at every moment. It's why I'm always ready to attack. Someone asked me the other day how I deal with the anger that comes from losing a child and I quickly thought, well, I don't think I'm actually dealing with a lot of anger, except then I started to realize, I think my anger is manifesting as aggression. 
because I have turned an adrenaline-fueled weekend pastime into a way of life that I can't sustain. I certainly can't win, and I can't seem to get quite right. It's probably a common response to trauma and to grief to constantly be waiting for the other shoe to drop, for the next blow to come, determined it won't take you out next time. You'll be ready. You'll train harder, gear up stronger, pivot faster, explode bigger. But the problem with that is that it makes everyone your opponent and you're always ready to attack. And full disclosure, I've attacked hard these last few weeks. I've apologized at least 432 times. And I keep wondering why my words are so sharp, why I assume the world is out to get me and why I can't seem to rein it in. But I think it's because when you train for attack, you'll find a fight everywhere you look. But I do believe that we need to be ready for the trials we're going to face. I do think we need to prepare for the storms that will come. I just think we do it by focusing on something else. So I scrapped the whole episode, guys. That's the the recap of what it was going to be. But I actually think there has to be something better. There has to be a better way to prepare that doesn't rely solely on us, that doesn't rely on our ability to get it right, to toughen up, to do better. I've shared these verses from Isaiah 61 back in episode 16. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. But I don't think I finished the rest of this verse. I don't think I finished through the end of verse 3. Because after Isaiah recounts the healing that he would bring to people who were mourning and grieving and despairing, much like I am, much like many of you are, he says, they will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. He didn't say they'll be ferocious warriors. He didn't say they'll be toughened up. He didn't say they'll be ready for battle or primed to attack or won't take another blow. He said they'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So I started rethinking my analogy. What if the way we prepare for the storms we're going to face has nothing to do with us protecting ourselves more and has everything to do with us rooting ourselves in him? Last week, I told you about the hurricanes we've had in North Carolina over the past few years. And because of those, I've paid a lot more attention to trees and how they survive in storms. And oak trees are known for surviving incredibly high winds and extremely large hurricanes. Now, there's a few reasons for this, but namely the fact that their root system is vast and massive underground. Their roots initially grow vertically deep into the ground, and then as the tree matures, they expand horizontally. Usually they grow to be about three to seven times underground, the width of the tree canopy above ground. And guys, their branches and oak trees' branches can span as much as 135 feet above ground. So just imagine the kind of real estate that's taken up under the surface by their roots. And those roots provide nourishment for the entire tree. They're essential for flourishing even on the best of days. 
But when the hurricanes come, then they become critical for survival. But what I find so fascinating about this is that the root system isn't something they put in place for just in case. It's not a separate survival tactic or response to previous storms. Although, P.S. Oak trees have adapted to be able to bend in the wind as a coping mechanism specific to surviving storms, but that root system is not something that's adapted. That root system isn't something they're building outside of their daily lives. It's not an emergency escape plan. It's not an adrenaline-motivated response keeping them in fight-or-flight mode. It's not a pad-up or guard-up or bend-low-and-be-ready-to-explode approach to life. It's an essential element of their daily growth, and it's how they're designed to operate 24-7. It's not two hours on Saturday. It's, it's sustainable. It's scalable, and it leads to flourishing exactly where they are. Surviving the storm is a byproduct of operating in the calling and purpose for which you were created. The focus isn't on the winds. The focus isn't on the forecast. The focus isn't actually on the storm at all. The focus is on rooting ourselves in everything we need, not just to survive, but to thrive and flourish and grow. And God has designed us so that when we focus on planting ourselves as a display of his splendor, when we focus on becoming who he's created us to be, deeply rooted, nourished and connected, producing fruit in our lives and providing shade for others around us, when we focus on growing tall and strong right where we are, well, then we can survive the storms when they come. But maybe, like me, you feel yourself becoming hard from a season of unimaginable loss. Maybe you can't turn off the adrenaline pumping through your veins just waiting for the next attack. Maybe you're terrified you'll be caught off guard again and are frantically looking for your pads, coming up with a game plan, determined to train hard enough to get him before he gets you. And I completely understand those feelings. That's how I've been living the past few weeks, the past few months. But this analogy provides a much better way. Sink in. Trust your roots. Nourish your body, soul, and mind. Because when the root is deep, there's no reason to fear the wind, and we don't have to be ready for attack. It means so much to me that you would listen to the Even If podcast, and my hope is that this episode provides you enough strength to continue standing firm when life is shaking. If this has inspired you in any way, you can always leave a rating or review. It's one way you can let me know you're listening. Or feel free to share this with a friend, share it on social media. It's another way I get to know if my words are landing. I'll see you back here next week for a new episode of Even If.